What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 38 of Beyond the Smokestacks. I am joined by my co-host, Christian. What's up, Christian? If you're looking for a lot of energy from me today, you're not going to get it. I apologize in advance. <laughs> I've, I've got nothing more to spare for this team. And our younger co-host, Dobby, what's good? This is going to piss Christian off. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Man City won the Champions League. Fucking go. Other than yeah. that, I've... I've got low energy. I've must, to be, bed today. must be nice being a glory hunter. CFG rises to the top. We we dominate world football. CFG, not, not us, but other, other but our, our sister, our sister clubs, our brother clubs, our family. I don't know La Familia. I don't. I don't know. Well, that's, CFG, no, the, the Zog machine. <laughs> they're no family of mine. <laughs> um, get lost. So uh, we are we, we are just rocking with us three today. So we're going to dive headfirst into everything, everything that is NYCFC, um, up through match day seventeen, following a zero zero draw against RSL at RSL at altitude. Um, back to back zero zero draws for the first time in club history. Whoa, let's go. We're making history out here, boys. We're making history back to back nil nil draws. Let's get fucking amped. First, first away clean sheet of the season as well. Oh, silver lining. Silver lining. <laughs> yeah, don't care. Um, so, don't uh, care. so for, for no reason other than I was trying to find, uh, just some, Shit. Um, I went and looked. I was like, "Oh, I was like, how many times have we drawn back-to-back games uh, since uh, in our in our history?" The answer is this is the tenth time in club history that we've had back-to-back draws. Um, and actually, there was one time. If we depending upon what happens in the next match in 2019, three games in a row, two-two draw at Orlando, two-two draw against DC United at home, two-two draw against LAFC at home, three draws in a row back in 19. That is what we're chasing right now. Huh? DC was nil nil. Yeah, nil nil. Yeah, that's what I said, right? You said two two. No, two two is LAFC, and two two was Orlando. Nil nil was was DCU in the middle. You said two two for DC. I apologize. Two two for Orlando, zero zero for DCU, and two two for LAFC. Three draws in a row. That's what we're chasing. Um, so to bring you guys up to speed, we are now sitting at thirteenth, out of fifteenth in the East. Sitting on 18 points, which we talked about in the pregame show. We talked about in the pregame that this is one point better than our worst season ever, which was 2015. We have one more point at this stage in the season than we did in our worst season ever. Four wins, seven losses, six draws, minus five goal differential. And we are sitting at 24th at a 29th in the Supporter Shield. Um, which, if you do the math real quickly, that is fucking awful. Uh, and for anybody who is confused by that, it's we, through in 2015 in our inaugural expansion season, we had 17 points through 17 games. This year, we have 18 points through 17 games. So, fun stuff. And, and, and if we and if we follow that trajectory, it's not going to look good <laughs> to, to the end of the season. Uh, our home record is four wins, two draws, two losses. Our away record is zero wins, f- uh, four draws, and five losses. Uh, I mean, I mean, I get, yeah, you can. I mean, the positives is, uh, is that at least we're walking away with these games with a point, but a point isn't going to do much. Back to back games. I guess it does more than losing. So I mean, we can't be completely miserable because we're not losing matches, but we're, uh, yeah, draws are. I mean, they're not. 
especially these nil-nil draws are just not they're not inspiring um we yeah, are we're unbeaten in two games unbeaten in two games yes unbeaten in two games but winless in eight games in the in the league nine games overall uh I guess you can look at not losing as a positive or as imp- improvement, but not nine games winless, eight games winless in the league. It's not good. Here's <laughs> the thing: in, the thing is, like in a vacuum, it's not a bad result. We've never gotten any points away at RSL, so in a vacuum, it's it's an okay result. However, the overall performance is just still lacking, and we still just look like, like, I, like I, I remember like Adam and Buckley and I were talking about it in the live game chat. We, the, the attack doesn't have a focal point, and neither Santi Rodriguez or Talos Magno are suited to be that focal point. So yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, so it, 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 it it's frustrating because. And, and the thing is, like in a vac- like I said before, in a vacuum, it's a decent result. But also, we did not play well in this game. As a matter of fact, if RSL was even worth a shred of a shit <laughs> at finishing, we'd we'd be losing this game three nil and two nil and four nil, and we'd be and and, and 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 the two and the two. It, 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 fuck the bar! They fucking missed point blank chances right in front of Barraza on on no less than three occasions. Like like fuck the bar, fuck the crossbar. You know, j- just. Like as a matter of fact, that was probably like one of the more more ambitious chances of the game. Like there were several chances where the ball was delivered into the box, and an RSL player was right there, unmarked, ready to put it away, and they didn't. Uh, if this was a better, th- if this was a marginally better team, if we're talking like a team like like Philly or a team like I don't know against the crew who are playing next. Uh, yeah, the crew, Orlando, even like, like that. That's a that's an L. That's an L. Yeah, it was, was a big L. Pretty appalling how bad they were at finishing. It almost felt like we we're. It, it felt like we were in a a, a, a carnival house or whatever, and uh, or, I don't know what the fuck it's called, but the, the mirror, the, like when you walk in, it's just mirrors everywhere. House, <laughs> like house of mirrors. Yeah, house of mirrors. It, it felt like I was watching us play against like essentially us. <laughs> like I was like, wow, I didn't think there was any team worse, more worse at finishing than we are, and, I, and there we go. They are just about as bad as finishing we are. I don't even say that because I don't even think finishing is our problem. Getting into the fucking box is our problem. Yeah, so at least they, but, they got where they were supposed to, but they just couldn't do it. We just can't even get there to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that's that's our problem. It's, it's not even finishing that's our problem. We can't get into a posi- position to generate a high percentage chance. At, like, like our best chance came from a very low percentage angle last night. Like, there was nothing – like, but, and outside of that, like, there was nothing discernible. Like, like nothing – discernibly good about our attack last night it's much more of the same we are fortunate enough to come with away with the point i think most fans will be content with coming away from a point and like i said on any other given day especially considering our history at salt lake we would be okay with a point however given the context and the flow of this game we were lucky to escape not just with a point but without a fucking catastrophe on our hands like like if teacher arango who apple fucking tv couldn't stop fucking showing on the broadcast I, 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 guys just just you know i just an idea i think teacher arango might be in salt lake i no think shit. She just might be are you serious I, I'm, I'm serious man like, like it, it's crazy but um if teacher arango's on that team oh fuck we get eaten alive and Wait. and and there and there are people I don't want to, you know what? I don't give a fuck. There are stupid people out there um, who think that 
that was an acceptable performance. It was an acceptable result, but it was not it was not the result of a, an acceptable performance. That was that was piss poor, even by the standards that we've been you know that we've been playing at this year. As a matter of fact, you can argue that this performance was just as bad as the ones that we've been seeing. And the only reason why we didn't pay for it is because RSL is booty. So, yeah. So I was watching the game and. Um... <laughs> Apple TV kept, or the the, the 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 camera kept cutting away to look at this random dude in the stands. Um, he has like a, he had like a cool haircut. He's wearing like this brown outfit shit. Um, anybody know who? Is, anybody know who he is? Anybody know who he is? He's an he's an NBA player. I forgot his name, but Gio knows who he is. No, no, not him, not him, not the NBA players. I saw the NBA players. I'm talking about this guy. He like he has a cool haircut. He was there with his kids. He was wearing a brown outfit. I, I, I don't know. He, he looks semi familiar. Do, do you guys know who it was? I have no fucking clue. Uh, I, I, I know. <laughs> so it was Chicho Arango. I'm trying to make a joke here. Fuck. Oh, you're talking about Chicho. <laughs> because they were showing like a few. Because they showed a few fans like repeatedly who are in the crowd. I'm just like, why are they focusing on like three fans? <laughs> like there, like, like, like there was this one guy with a mustache who they couldn't stop showing. There's <laughs> one guy with neck tattoos that they couldn't fucking stop showing. And I'm just like. Like they, they, and, and I real, I legitimately believe that it was fucking like the league's attempt to show Messi's coming here. Look at the passion of these fans, and I'm just like, it's yeah. Salt Lake. The ba- All these people have four wives. <laughs> the basketball player that was there was a uh, Colin Sexton. He's a point guard for the Jazz, I believe. Um, he was there with another tall European player. Um, anyway, so silver lining, more silver lining. We are only four points away from a playoff spot, which I guess is something uh, that's good. Still within striking distance. Yes, but so we talked about this in the in the space last night. It's four points away from a playoff spot, but technically that four, that those four that playoff spot we're looking at is a play-in game, and it's going to be a, a play-in away game. And even if we even if we bump happen to jump those people, it's still an, a playoff away game. Like we have to we have to get a lot of points to even think about getting a playoff home game. Is it is it surmountable? Maybe, uh, but with this current form, uh, not guaranteed by any stretch of the means. Ba, 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 ba. Oh, um, so um, uh, until um, until our results start getting better, I'm going. We're going to keep a Nick Cushing uh, counter. So um, he is now um, in his tenure, both interim and full-fledged manager. He is now 15 wins, 18 losses, and 11 draws, all competitions, and that is good enough for a 66% chance of him drawing or losing a match <laughs> as manager of NYCFC through 44 games. How do we feel about Nick Cushing um, and the job that he's doing with NYCFC currently? Is this a fucking rhetorical question? <laughs> Get him out. Get him out uh, now. Get him out but, now. It's just, how do you feel about Nick Cushing's post-game comments? I I don't... It, it, it's always a fucking excuse with this guy. Oh, the altitude. Oh, you know, the referee. Oh, the soccer gods. It's a legit fucking excuse that's been spilled out in the past few weeks. Like, I'm tired of the fucking excuses. And we just meant, mentioned we're four fucking points out of a playoff spot what do you want a fucking cookie everybody and their mother makes the playoffs this year that's not a fucking good bar i'm sorry making just getting into the playoffs this year is not saying much like where are you finishing how many home games are you procuring are you finishing at the sharp end of the playoff picture are you finishing at the low end of the of the playoff picture and in a playoff picture mind you where like what 75 percent of all of the of the entire conference like like 67 percent minimum makes the playoffs the, the fuck <laughs> like, 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 like i'm supposed to be impressed by that like, like 
like if it's the old format and you were sneaking in at like maybe the sixth or fifth seed, okay, whatever. Fucking fair enough. The ninth seed in the East makes the playoffs this year. 62 percent of the league make the playoffs this year. Yes, thank you. Yeah, no, that's this guy. He has no idea what to do, and I don't. And I don't even think. And, and we were talking about it last night. The nine is the last of this fucking team's issues. Where's the fucking delivery? Where's the delivery? Where's the service? Where's the 10? Like, Where's the playmaker? Just there, There's nobody pulling the strings in this midfield who's going to set up attacks. And also another damning fucking indictment on Cushing. He took out Brianne Kufre and Gabby Pereira and allowed Stephen Turnbull to stay on the pitch for what was it, 79 minutes? Are you fucking kidding me? Stephen Turnbull shouldn't be fucking running in a target. Like, 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 like uh, oh, man. <laughs> fucking. All right. So, he, he, looked, yeah. he looked so lethargic every time he got burnt defensively and he was trying to run back. Yeah. It, it, look, it looked like some someone's, like, 54-year-old grandfather was running back to defend. When it, came, game. when it came to his delivery, he made Tavon Gray look like Jao Cancelo. Yeah, I mean, so I, 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 I'm in the camp as well that Turnbull looked pretty atrocious in this match. Um, but there are there are a lot of uh, strong opinions about Turnbull in the NYCFC fandom, whether it be on Twitter um, or, or elsewhere, that think that Turnbull has been doing a good job um, since being inserted. Um, and they don't know I, what the I, fuck they're talking about. They need I, to I, I quite frankly, I don't, I don't know what they're watching. I don't know what their barometer is. I don't know what they're gauging. But like just by visually watching him, he doesn't he doesn't impress. I don't know what it is about this year, this coach, whatever the fuck it might be, that's got people drinking the fucking hopium. Like I I I, I don't know what's going on in this fan base right now because by no standard is this acceptable. I'm sorry, I've said it a hundred thousand times, and I'm really tired of fucking saying it. If you look at our strongest possible eleven. The strongest one that we can muster on this team when everybody's available and everybody's healthy. There is no excuse for this team to be in the position that it's in. None. Zero. I understand. Now, listen, last night, to be fair, our back line consisted of Justin Hack, James Sands, and Tony Alfaro. But, I mean, at that, like, I mean, despite that, we had no idea of what to do going forward with the ball. Like, last night's defense was basically the epitome of bend, don't break, even though we broke sometimes. But the thing is, RSL just weren't strong enough to actually bend the straw in the right direction. Uh, just, I I don't know. I, I don't know what the fuck this fan base is on right now and, and how they can justify this these kinds of performances. We are coming off of a three-game home stretch where we got one point. What the fuck is wrong with you people? I, I, I'm open to any explanation. I swear, any any other manager, and we go uh, with one point in three home games. So I feel like they're they're calling for their their head off. But for some reason, just this year under this coach, they just everybody just. Just keeps just keeps like sucking up to him. Just, they just keep like, oh no, it's okay, it's okay. And then because he's like, oh no, lads, you just gotta be patient. It's a young team, have a Heineken, and you go into training the next day. It, it, it's really getting to the point where it's like, all right, bro, listen, like you keep you keep dropping points, you're gonna like y your head's gonna like gonna have to be chopped off at some point. Or <laughs> what's probably gonna happen 
at this point is that if we keep dropping points, they probably won't fire him at all, or they will fire him to the point where it's literally impossible for the next manager to get into the playoffs. More that's, people, that's literally what's going to happen. More people were willing to cast Dome Torrent or Ronnie Dyla off than Nick Cushing. And it's fucking beyond me. It, it's beyond me. I'll, 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 I'll take one of those managers in a heartbeat. I mean, Ronnie got us a cup and Dome led us to our best regular season finish of all time. So, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll even take Patch Vieira back at this point. I mean, anybody but this I'm, fucking I'm guy. At this point. I'm desperate. Anybody but this guy. And now, listen, I don't. I, I'm of the belief that if you fire him, you don't promote from within. You have to have a replacement lined up. But if David Lee or whoever is in charge of making that decision isn't on the phone looking for you know replacements right now what the fuck are we doing like at this point it doesn't matter who we bring in in the summer window the system itself is fundamentally broken it's not working we're not even putting each other in good position so i have a question for you guys going back to the turnbull conversation at this point Given what we've seen, would you in a world now? I'm I'm only including two players in this in this hypothetical. Would you prefer 25 year old Stephen Turnbull or 20 year old Tavon Gray at right back? Tavon Gray. If that's an easy answer, 100. percent I don't think people realize that Turnbull is 25 years old. I mean, he, he just be, just because he's an NYCFC two player doesn't Wait, mean what? he doesn't mean 25? he doesn't mean he gets he, doesn't mean he gets a pass. For being young and inexperienced, no, he's twenty-five years old. He's not some young little spring chicken that we can groom and sell eventually. Like well, he's twenty-five. Like in like in five years, he's going to be pretty much done. Like, well, there's a well, there's a reason why he's twenty-five and just getting his first fucking per, top flight minutes. There's a reason for that. Yeah, and you can see it. It's fucking apparent. Is he fine in a reserve league as a as a warm body and somebody to just fill the team sheet? Sure. I have no problem with him going down there and doing his thing, but I think it's become abundantly clear that he is completely out of his fucking depth here. Now, listen, granted, he doesn't always – on the ball, I don't hate him as much as other players. However, his delivery is bad. He has no athleticism. He's slow. He got burnt for fucking chips on on, on the uh, on, on their left flank constantly last night. Like, there was just – there was no reason – why he should have been on that pitch for 79 minutes. I understand, listen, Tavon Gray hasn't played in, like, what, like a week and a half, two weeks due to the suspension thing, and who knows, like, where his sharpness is. Um, uh, Misha Ilinich, I guess, is coming off an injury, even though I would have said that Misha Ilinich for at least a 65-minute shift would have been enough. Like, like, if you want to do that, that's fine. There's no reason for him to be playing 80 out of the 90 minutes in a game. There's no reason. And there's no reason why he should be starting, period. Yeah. Especially when Tavon Gray and Misha Ilinich are both fucking available. There's no excuse. That's a coaching issue. The team selection is his thing. And he has failed at team selection. Failed. So talk about depth and everything like that, and that and and that and, and that's true. Our depth isn't exactly thick. However, it went it more actually like, like like but that means that like when it comes time to selecting your team and who's going to suit up in the starting 11 that means you have to pick the best players available and he hasn't done that consistently he hasn't done that i agree 
What do we think in this particular match? What do we think of Justin Hack's performance? Uh, I mean, he—he's not a center back. He's so not. It, it's, yeah. No, he's it, not. It, it, so it's—it's it's really hard for me to like cast him into the hellfire. You know, like for like I—I I don't think he was particularly good last night. Um, I thought he was serviceable. I mean, the thing is, like, even that he was. A lot of those chances that RSL were able to gain were because Justin Hack was ball watching and didn't know what to do and didn't know where to be. But like, but once again, like I said, he's a he's a he's a midfielder. He's not he's not a center back. And he that I just don't think that's in his locker, like at all. Like so, it's really hard for me to. I, I mean, he's got a clean sheet to his name. That's fine. But the thing is, he's I think that's rather a case of good fortune as opposed to good play. Do you think it's negligent that Cushing is starting Justin Hack out of position at center back instead of pulling up someone who is a center back like Kwaku Wusu? But the thing is, see, uh, and just so everybody knows, Davi just had to step away really quick, so I'm just filling in the air. Um, the thing is, with Wusu, it's just we've already seen. Like, I mean, if if Stephen Turnbull is any fucking indicator, having somebody, even if somebody's playing in their primary position. If they're an NYCFC two player and playing at that level, which is probably around like USL League One, if not League Two, then that doesn't necessarily translate to the top flight. I mean, at least Justin Hack has a somewhat extensive MLS experience. He's been with this team for a long time and been in the system for a long time. Um, I, I haven't seen enough of a Wusu. I don't watch any NYCFC two. I mean, I do know that they just gave up three goals to some fucking team that I never heard of like last week. So I mean, my argument I mean, is more based on the fact that it's his natural position, and it's not like because I I think I feel like they're treating Hack kind of like in the same mold as Sands, where like since, since Sands was able to do a job, but like playing in the back line and as a holding mid, they're like, oh, if Sands can do it, Hack can do it, and it, that I, that's not how things work. I think it's a mixture of experience and and uh, and level of performance on it, or evaluation of performance rather. Like like Owusu, like I mean NYCFC two. I mean I like I said before, I haven't really watched a lot of games, but from the looks of it, they haven't really necessarily been defensively stout this season. So I mean, and if you can't defend MLS next uh, pro fucking you know attackers then you're you know the task of defending an, an mls you know attacker is probably way out of your depth so i mean it's very possible that a wusu and players like ben alcazar just have nothing to offer at the top flight level i don't know because we haven't seen enough of them i think a wusu has like what like maybe like five minutes accumulated with the first team yeah i mean he He's made he made his debut and he's been on the 18 a lot, but not recently. And then the one the player they have been recently bringing to the 18 is Ben Alcazar, and he hasn't made his debut yet. But I also think Ben Alcazar hasn't he like been pretty much like converted into like a midfielder at this point? Yeah, I mean I think he, he's I mean sometimes he starts in the back line with Wusu for NYCFC too, but um, I think he is primarily like a center defense like a six six eight. Yeah, yeah. So like I don't know. I mean. I've seen enough Vuk Latinoviches and Steven Turnbulls and fucking other NYCFC2 players that have fucking infuriated me when being put into the starting 11 at this level. So, I can't necessarily... That's one thing I can't necessarily fault fault Cushing for. Like, playing 
pack over Awusu because it's very possible that, and you know, I, 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 I have it, it uh, once again. I don't know. I'm not saying this with certainty. It's quite very, it's quite possible that Awusu doesn't cut it at this level. It's very possible, yeah. and it, it's possible that he could be worse than Hack, mm-hmm. even if it is his natural position. You know, like. Like we, we saw, like I remember years ago, I mean, obviously the, the quality of this player doesn't match the quality of, you know, the players that we have at, at our disposal now. But I remember Andoni Iraola yeah. transitioned from right back to a DM, to, to a six in 2016, mm-hmm. despite the fact that we had, you know, players like Federico Bravo on the squad and, and you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, and that might have been his natural position. So... You know, some players are just more talented than others. And, yeah, that's really that's really all there is to say about for the, it, really. For the record, I, I do – I mean, I know I, I, I kind of shit on Justin Hack when he's on the field. Uh, I just don't, I don't think he's up to snuff. But in, in, in the last – I guess the last – has he started the last two matches? Yes. So the, 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 last, the last two matches, two clean sheets, he didn't make any egregious mistakes. He didn't set the world on fire. But – I mean, I guess in the interim, while we figure out what the fuck we're gonna do with Alfaro out for six for two months, and what and I mean, Chano had to sit this out, sit this one out because of accumulation. You, you, you mean you mean Tiago Martins? Tiago yeah, Martins. Martins. I just said Tiago. Is that I just said and Alfaro? Oh, Alfaro. Yeah. Tiago Martins out for uh, six to eight weeks. Um, I think. Alfaro actually had it very good last night. Yeah, Alfaro. Um, yeah, he's another one where if you're not making egregious mistakes and it's not like jumping off the page at you, it's like okay, he can do a little, he can do enough. The um, thing about Afaro is that like defensively last night he was really good, especially like in emergency situations where he just had to clear the danger and get in there and just make a play. Uh, his pace is definitely a concern. Also, with the ball at his feet and when playing out, out of the back, not good, not very good at all. That's, yeah. so that's one. That's one, th- and and which is probably why he's never like really been touted as being like a starter on this team or or even like the second choice center back and, I, and I would and, say that's probably why he got cast away from from the sounders was because they're, they're, they they play a, a more of an actual football um, i mean he's been cast away from every single team he's ever been in he yeah, just but got cast in, in dc they don't they don't, play, they don't play out the back in dc yeah but i mean even so i mean dc had like what the worst defense like yeah. in the league like two years running you know like it like it was like i i i don't understand why we brought in a guy from that cloth yeah, at all. But I mean, so far, I mean, he's, bandaid. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a he's a decent bandaid. Yeah, and and last night he he was the best performing of the center backs, including James Sands, who I just I still don't understand why we put him back there. Honestly, I understand that last night we were like really devoid of any kind of optimal options or like for like changes along the back line. So maybe having, but also like having. Justin Hack having him in the middle like just didn't make any sense. Like like have like James Sands be in the middle as like that sweeper as like that anchor point for the defense. Like why is why is Justin Hack? So I would I would say that the reason why Hack was in the middle of it is because he is a six, so he's used to being in the middle of the pitch. He's not used to being out in the width. Um, so I mean I guess and Justin uh, not Justin uh, James Sands has played like. James Sands played fucking right back for us in one in a game before he left for loan. So like James is, has I guess more positional variability that he can do a job at. So that's the only reason why I can think of as to why Justin was in the middle okay. and, and rather than out a little bit wider. I understand like like probably like when it comes to like like pure like like skill set and like makeup, like maybe Justin Hack is the more natural fit there. However, 
the anchor point of a three back like needs to be a leader and needs to be organizing the back line and needs to be constantly, you know, like making sure that everybody else is where they should be. Mm-hmm. And Justin Hack is just not that guy. No. Justin, um, like, like I don't care what world we're in. Justin Hack is never going to be a locker room leader, nor is he ever going to be a leader on the pitch. I mean, unless like he was, he was like the only, the only one. Unless he purged the entire squad and brought everybody up from NYCFC too, maybe then he gets a crack at it. Uh, like, ju- ju- like Hack is just not that guy. Like, I hate to like do the meme, but he's not that guy. Like, like he just isn't. Like, that's that's not uh, that. Uh, I do think like even if even if James Sands has a little bit more experience out, like in, in a wider defensive position, I still would have gone with him in the middle. I, I did not like the idea of Hack being in, in the middle. I do think that we suffered because of it. We're once again we are fortunate that RSL can't score with Dick, but you know, had they been able to, had they even been marginally decent at at, at finishing the chances that were created, th- we're talking about a three 0 loss right now on this pod, yeah. which is what I yeah like, and a, definitely a different tone to this pod if we if we would have got dunked on three zero. So I mean. I think that kind of segues segues us to talking about. I, mean, I know that on on this podcast in 2023, so far since the inception of this podcast, um, I have definitely been very anti Luis Barraza. Um, I um, I'm still this was a this was probably the first game that was a pause a step in the positive direction for my my from my overall view of him as a number one goalkeeper. Um, I think that he did exactly what he needed to do to keep us in this game. Um, Real Salt Lake had a lot of opportunities that they probably should have finished, but didn't because of either insanely poor shooting or because Luis did what he needed to do to make the save to keep it out. Um, goalkeepers, um, I, I, I operate on the, on, the, uh, on the thought process that they are responsible for keeping the ball out of the net, whether, it's, whether the defense hangs them out to dry or whether they're standing on their fucking head in the net, their job is to keep the fucking ball out of the net. And he did what he had to do in this game to keep it nil-nil. It's the offense's job to fucking provide some goal support and provide some run support or whatever and, and get and put the, put the ball and get, and get us the win. But he did what he had to do he, to come up to make saves, to make the make saves well and not like lead to rebounds and spillages. And I mean, I was really impressed. That, that one cross that came in from a tight angle like on the sideline where they fucking, he, the guy fucking shot or crossed or hit that shit hard as hell and Braz was able to fucking hold on to it. That was impressive. So, I mean, I, I know I give him a lot of shit on this podcast. I know I give him a lot of shit on social media, but props for props are due. He had a great game against RSL last night. No, for sure. Best game that he's put, best game he's had for this club so far in his career. And it was a very good performance. And also, he showed some fucking balls last night. Like, I loved seeing him towards the end of that match, like, walk out of the box and confront the referee about, you know, like, the way the game was being called. Uh, I don't necessarily think that the way the game was being called was a huge factor. I don't think it was called particularly well, but that's, I mean, we, we already understand the standard that we're getting with pro, and we know that it's going to be inconsistent and, you know, and things just are, are just sometimes they'll go your way and sometimes they won't. Uh, however, like seeing him like get off his line, he, he like he started yelling at hacked at one point, which I enjoyed seeing, you know, like, like yell at these fucking guys, you know, tell them what they have to do, tell them where they're fucking up. So you're not left for dead, you know, on an Island and have to make like a fucking spectacular save in order to keep your team in it, you know, and also like yelling at the referee, you know, like stepping, stepping up and just showing some fucking chutzpah. 
And I, I really enjoyed that from Barraza. I am a little bit concerned that he might have taken like an injury that actually might be significant because if you remember, like towards the end of that game, like when he came off of his line, to right? that one ball. Yeah, it's the groin, the, the the leg, somewhere in that area, like somewhere in that pocket balls area. <laughs> yeah, um, was definitely not feeling good, and he couldn't even kick the, uh, you know, the, the, the ensuing the free kick. Free kick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he had to have James Sands come in and do it, and he had like was kind of just trying to walk it walk it off. So I I I, I mean, obviously, and you know, I do think like freeze, you know, should get another opportunity at the job at some point in the future, not, not next week. Definitely, I definitely think that Barraza ha has earned, you know, like more time, uh, another look. But unfortunately, it looks like he might have, like the, the the best game of his career could have came at a cost. So I, I hope he's all right. I hope he's good. But no, really good game for Barraza. So, but and, but uh, now the thing is though, is this is the bar that has been set. This is my expectation. So I've seen what Luis Barraza is capable of. He has to stay at this level. If he drops and starts letting in letting in weak goals, or and and starts letting in two three goals in a game, like he has to stay, he has to maintain this level because right now at with the way the roster is currently constructed, we are not we are not good enough. We don't have enough talent to win to win games three four zero. Um, so we we're gonna have to be sufficient. And I looked at at all of our results. We only have one game this season so far where we've won by more than one goal. And that was against fucking Dallas. The, our last win was a three-one win. Every other game that we've won has been a one-goal victory. So yeah, no, we, we we peaked and then that was it. Then yeah. we plateaued. So That's hard. If we're gonna if we're gonna find ways to 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 get rid of this eight-game MLS nine-game all-competition winless streak, then we need Barraza to maintain this level of play to give us a fighting fucking chance at winning a match at this point. Um, it, I mean, I. I agree that like he needs to like maintain this level. However, like he's also going to need some help from his defense because he's not going to save everything. Yeah, and there's going to be some shots and some attempts where, honest, where saving it is just not a realistic possibility. You know, like like maybe he pulls one out of his ass here and there, but like, you know, spectacular saves are the exception, not the rule. You know, they're not the norm. Well, so I mean, like his defense is is going. Uh, in this, this match, is, he didn't make any saves. They were like, holy shit. Like, they were just all, like, there are saves that he should have made, all the saves. Yeah, there were saves that he should have made, but I also think that he, like, like I, I thought him coming off his line to collect that one ball, like, towards the end of the game was really, was really heads up. And I thought that was a really good play. He, he, he made a lot of good plays. I wouldn't say he made a lot of good saves. The, 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 one, the, the two 1v1s that he had to take care of were, like, really good, but they were also from acute angles where scoring was going to be difficult anyway, even if you could get it past the keeper. And, but the way he like like you mentioned the way he grabbed that ball on that like on that piss missile cross that came through and just snagged it despite the fact that we've seen that he doesn't typically catch anything yeah. was like really impressive and him coming off that line on the play where he got hurt was really good yeah. in my opinion absolutely um, so I, so no like Barraza like he put in a fucking professional shift and I I'm happy I'm happy like like if there's any like if there's any like silver lining to this game outside of the, the point i think it's definitely barraza's performance for sure yeah i mean I, know, I argue with people a lot on twitter that's just what i do but um there's definitely people out there yeah, that, no no you no. there's people out there that think that Luat, that barraza is like a baller and that he's like guaranteed gk1 i'm like i'm like he ha like okay yes i will give him props he had a good game this game but if you look at his season so far 
Definitely, I don't agree with that narrative that that, that Barraza is like phenomenal. But this game was great. This game was great. He was fantastic in this game, but but he needs to maintain this now because so far this season yeah, he has I'd not say, been fantastic. I'd say, I'd say throughout the season he'd probably be average, below average at moments, but this is by far his best game of the season. Yeah. Um, next talking point is the uh, the offense being anemic. <laughs> I mean, I've already kind of went in on it. I don't know how much. I mean, I mean we talk about it every single week. I mean, what else is there to fucking say? Uh, that, that hasn't really been and said. I, I guess, like, like, I guess we can also talk about with the, with the offense being anemic is is uh, is Nick Cushing uh, subbing off the player who seems to have the greatest chance of doing something pretty routinely early. He's usually always the first substitution. Is is taking off Gabriel Pereira when he's like the only one that looks semi dangerous out in the pitch when he has the ball at his feet. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. And, like, you know, I people were making excuses for that substitution, saying that, you know, like, you must rotate. We're playing at altitude, this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, okay, rotate someone else, someone who isn't as effective. I would have been fine with – I would have been fine with that sub. I, I would have been fine with, like, uh, Matias Pellegrini coming on for fucking Santi or Talis last night. But, like, Gabby? Really? That's the player that like that's the first player you think to cross cross off the, our most potent offensive threat this year. I, if, I, you're I gonna, if you're gonna take Gabby off, make sure it's for Ledesma. Like if if you're gonna take Gabby off and you have that bench, it has to be for Ledesma. You can't but, put on Pellegrini for for GP. A massive part of the issue is that the first two players that he took off last night were Gabby Pereira and fucking Brian Kufre. Like like those are the first players that he took off and and. I thought Kufre was having a pretty decent game up until that point. I thought Gabby was the best attacker. Now, granted, Gabby wasn't having a terrific game. I don't think anybody in the attack was last night. However, he was still dangerous on the ball. He's still a spark plug. And how old is Gabby Perez? Like 20? 21? He's 21. He's 21. Gabby's 21. Yeah, like, he doesn't need a fucking break. He's good. He's Gucci. Well, he, so how much how much does it does this the, tra the trajectory of this game change if I hate ifs but so Gabriel Pereira was the one who had that little saucy little uh, play on ball to Talis Magno in, in the eighteen yard box, right? Do you guys remember that yes. play? So yes. how much is that? I mean, the, the the shot by Talis Magno was not not very powerful, not very well placed, um, and and it, it, with him being a righty, I mean, I, I, watching that live, I was like, why didn't he? Why didn't he like fake right and then bring it back on his left foot and, and do the Gabby trademark goal where bend that shit to the back post? Instead, he hits. He tries to hit the ball as hard as he can near post, and it was a pretty easy save for for Zach McMath. Um, that th that game completely changes if 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 Talis Magno is able to get in the end of that in the eighteen yard box and and put and bury that opportunity, and also that changes uh, the 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 way that the game goes for maybe for Gabriel Pereira because now he has an assist. You're not going to take someone off who has an assist. I mean. But uh, I mean, you can't you can't live your life by what if. Well, I, will, I wouldn't. Well, if you're Cushing, I wouldn't say that. He'd probably still take him off. <laughs> I I just I I don't know. I, I'm not as critical on that chance as you might be. I mean, it's a player who's not. I mean, it's it's a great build up. It's a great. It's a, it's a beautiful, sublime back heel by Gabby to put the ball into a dangerous area. However, like I mean, we, we've already discussed uh, ad nauseum that Talis Magno is not a striker, so expecting a striker-like finish from a guy who's but never been a clinical is Talis Magno a DP? Uh, he's a DP. That doesn't he's necessarily a DP. mean goal scorer. I know, but deep. Oh no, nope. 
Other than defenders, nobody spends Maxi DP Mar- money on somebody who's not going to not, not going to help contribute Maxi to goals. Maxi Morales is never a clinical goal scorer. But he can, he helped contribute goals, meaning goals and assists. Like he did, he 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 helped help us win games. Okay, and Talis is not doing that. But but are we talking about this one play? Or yes. Are we talking about in in this overall? moment, he needs to like either either score that goal or engage the defender and slide that shit back over to the side and then someone else like he has to he dps need to do dp things which is help us win games and in that well, moment I mean, it didn't really do it it was very innocuous it was fairly innocuous didn't result in anything it was just bullshit it wasn't even a good shot i mean i i, I mean the center back has the has the far post cover like the center you can't go far post there the center it's going to go straight well, to the fucking he would, you, don't, you don't go right to the left side you you you, you take a dribble to the right <laughs> and then cut to the left hard you're like it's like oh yeah no i yeah. i agree if there's any time for fucking talus magno to try to pull like one of his like fa- like like his like little you know like fancy you know skill moves you know this was the time to po- probably do it but the thing is it's like I mean, he, once again, he's out of his depth in that kind of like in that box area. Like he's not like a center forward, and he's in a center forward position. So I can't necessarily say that he should have done better because there's really no fucking standard for him doing better in that kind of situation. He's not a striker. We don't have any. I don't think I don't think Santi puts a better shot on that either. No. The only guy who can score from that position, in my opinion, on our team is Gabby. That's it. And Gabby was the one that was responsible for the flick, creating the chance, and. So, I mean, I, I can't really, like, say, like, I mean, was it a, it's a half chance at best, but, I mean, it, it was something, and I was happy to see that something at the game. I mean, regardless, I mean, I don't even want to go with if that happens. I mean, the thing is, I think he takes off Gabby anyway, because it, it seems... Wait, wait was Gabby on the yellow? Game, I don't know. I think Gabby, I don't. I think Gabby may have been you on got the a, yellow. He got a yellow, he got a yellow, like, around the time before he was subbed off. So, yeah. like, his last few minutes of the match, I think he got a yellow. But even then, how many yellows has Gabby Panetta taken all year? Like, like, I knew I, once he got a yellow, I knew that he was going to get subbed off. I was like, I was like, Cushing's for sure taking Gabby off. He the thing is, I, I don't agree with like subbing off an attacker who's sitting on a yellow. Oh, I, I mean, like, like, I mean, Gabby is not like I, he's not a yellow card merchant like in the way that Santi. you know, like a guy like like like, like Santi or Tati was before him. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, I've noticed that Santi seems to be collecting less yellow cards. He seems to be less of a hothead he has. Than, than before. And that's honestly not good. I'd much prefer he was his hothead self because, I, I'm sorry, this team needs killers. This team doesn't need, you know, subordinate nice boys who conduct themselves with the integrity of the game. No, we got to get the dark art. Huh? What? I, I want him to be a fucking asshole. I want him, I want him to bring that, that fucking... Like rock star energy that Tati brought. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna go out and play the way I play. And if you have a problem with it, suck my dick. So you 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 need somebody with that fucking mentality, like 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 that, like 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 I I think like like Nick Cushing has cut Santi's balls off personally. Like I mean, like just I like then again I I'm getting off on a tangent, but like my point is it's like what like like how many how many yellow cards? Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Say something of fucking substance that we can actually chew on, and then I'll fucking stop ranting. Uh, how many how many yellow cards? Here, you should know this dipshit since you have a fucking photographic memory. How many yellow cards does Gabby Pereira have all all year? All year. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go and say this is probably his first. Is it his first? It's either his first or his second. Definitely less than three, right? Hundred percent less than three. Hundred percent. Okay, so this is not a habitual offender who is in any fucking threat 
of being sent off. And, in this and, and the yellow was quite soft, if I'm being honest. Yeah, well, well, whatever. We're just talking about the, like the yellow cards. The thing, the thing is, like Gabby Pereira is not a guy who's going to collect a lot of yellow cards. So even if he's on a yellow in this game, that's like that's he has not two, necessarily indicative. He has two of, yellow cards of, in the last three games. How many total? I'm trying to find that out. If those are the only two yellow cards he's gotten. That's like, I rest my case. Yeah, two, two yellow cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's not a habitual offender. You know, he's not. He's not a guy that's going to is like is going to be like realistically sent off in any in any game that he's in because he's not he's not Santi twenty twenty one or Tati twenty nineteen. You know, like 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 that's not like the kind of player he is. So. Even if you want to go with the yellow card defense, why is Gabi take, being taken off when he historically is not going to be is not going to collect another yellow? Like if we're judging by past experience, yeah. Like, like, like I'm sorry, that's I'm, I, I mean, I agree. Right. I, he shouldn't have been. He, sh he shouldn't be taken off. I want to see Gabi go fucking ninety minutes. When, when, has Gabi ever gotten ninety minutes for us like this season? I, I feel like he hasn't. Not this season. And I, I mean, and, and I know, I know the argument earlier in the season could have been that oh, he was in Brazil for preseason, he needs to get his fitness, yada yada yada. Yeah, but now we're fucking seventeen games into the season. Why can't this guy go ninety minutes? I don't know. I have no fucking clue. Cushing's fucking substitution patterns. I mean, well, that's if he, like like the, the subs, like the subs he made, it just indicated he was satisfied with the with the nil nil draw on the road, which I, I've I've said multiple times in the past. I'm like, this guy is going to play so fucking defensive it's fucking mind-boggling how fucking shit we are going forward on the road and he, what he's gonna do he's gonna sit back and he's probably gonna hit you on the counter and pray and beg that we get that one goal and then just sit back the rest of the game and fucking defend that shit that that's that's all he's gonna do that is all he's gonna do and i keep saying it again and again and again if we concede first on the road we're gonna fucking lose the game thankfully RSL, they couldn't even hit fucking water if they fell out of a boat. That's how fucking shit they were finishing last night. Because if they were to have, if they were to have Chicho, Chicho probably finishes bare minimum two of those chances created. If if they had better wingers, more clinical players, it would have been a blowout. It would have been three, four, five nil. Yeah, so hands down, no questions asked. So Nick's Nick's substitution substitution patterns are definitely something to talk about. Um, and uh, point A and point B are. Why took was, off our best two players. Why wasn't Richie? Took off our best two players. Why wasn't Richie Ledesma used? I mean, uh, we've we've spoken about how former players of clubs tend to do well against their former employers. Richie Ledesma is an RSL product. He didn't play for the first team, but he brought, he was brought up through, through their um, through played the, for the Monarchs. Played for the Monarchs and he brought up through their youth system as well as Luis, Luis Barraza. And look at look at what Luis Barraza did against his former club. He fucking stood in his head and, and kept a clean sheet and and walked out of there with a point. Why wasn't Richie used? Unless he's hurt, why is he not? Why is he not playing? Um, also, I mean, not that I'm clamoring for this guy. I'm not, by no means am I saying like, hey, he's our savior, put him on the field. But why wasn't Segal rolled out there like eventually? Like Talis Magda wasn't really doing a whole lot this game. Um, why wasn't Why wasn't Segal brought brought on to maybe uh, I don't know do what he did the last time we went, uh, we t drew a game and fucking tap home a goal in the 90th minute off of just a random cross. Um, that is first professional goal. Yeah, and then also, uh, this goes back to the whole uh, Cushing only used four of the five possible substitutions in this match. And he left Seagal, Richie Ledesma, and and whoever, I mean, the other, other guys aren't really worth I mean, Jason and fucking Benalcazar and uh, all these other guys aren't really worth it. But 
Like, why are you... He left two attacking options on yeah, the bench. Well, I mean, and, 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 and he, subs at least he, he brought on Pellegrini, which we've been asking for. Like, if you're paying him a million dollars, fucking bring him on and let's see what he can do. And what's the answer of what he can do? Yeah, fucking yeah, him, nothing. What? Fucking run into two defenders yeah. while he had, like, the pass on? But, I mean, <laughs> if, if, he's, if he's getting this kind of dough, he, then he needs to get burned because, I mean, we're not, we're not in the business of just shelling out money for people who aren't going to do fucking anything. We should, um, we should have just let him walk instead of giving that pay rise. Yeah, honestly. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm definitely. I want answers as to why Richie Ledesma wasn't used. I don't know. I don't know if uh, if I can kind of uh, get in the ear of some of the other podcasts who have media credentials. But I want to know why Richie Ledesma wasn't used. And if I'm hoping these podcast guys who who are available for them uh, whatever media they do during the week, I want them to come out and ask why wasn't Richie Ledesma used? Is it an injury that you're not? You guys are not disclosing why wasn't Richie rolled out when uh, Pellegrini was, Tavon Gray was, Elenich was. Um, also, why why did Tavon Gray come on before Micha? Like that, like that, that 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 doesn't scream to me that you're trying to that you're trying to get a steal, steal three points on the road. Um, that tells me when you bring on Tavon Gray, that tells me that you're playing defensively, um, and that you're you're just hold, holding on for dear he life. Was, he was satisfied with the nil nil, and he was hoping that we hit him on the counter and get a lucky goal and win one zero. That's that's basically the game plan. Like, so that's in my eyes. That's basically what he wanted to do. Along with the um, offensive anemicness, anemic. I don't know, that's not very English, but whatever. Um, we only had five attempts on five five attempts, five shot attempts in this entire oh, match. Four of them came from set pieces, and one of them came from open play. Which show? Which, I mean, which shows me that over the last couple of games that NYCFC is relying heavily relying upon set pieces to do their business to try to score goals. Um, which, I mean, especially in a game where you're, where, where, where you're losing two of your, uh, you lost two of your players who have height. Um, you, you don't have Chanel out there. You don't have, uh, Tiago Martins is out indefinitely. Um, so you're, you're losing all, you're losing your height. You have big, big bird out there. You lost your best two center backs. Yeah. Um, so why are we trying to, 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 to create, Opportunities off of set pieces instead of from the run of play, getting the ball to Gabi, getting the ball to Talis, getting the ball to Santi, and go out there and 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 do something. Um, I'm guessing that one open play Multiple shot, play. that one open play chance was the was the Gabi flick to uh, to Talis Magdo and his shot. Yeah, yeah, the, the Talis shot in the first half is the only one on target. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just not good enough. And uh, we've come, we we have a higher. I keep saying this. We keep we have raised expectations after 2021 and even after 2022. We have high expectations. I realize you can talk to me till you're blue in the face about the overturn rate and the players that we lost and the goals that we lost and all that good stuff. You can talk to it's me. No excuse. You can talk to me till you're blue in the face. But we we have enough players still here to do something. We not we, only we, that we got Christian also took the job knowing damn well he was not going to have a real striker for at least the first half of the season. He knew damn well. He signed his name in script on that dotted line, knowing damn well he's not going to have a striker for half yeah. the season. you got to make do and, with and what you he's have. he's making excuses. He's making excuses every fucking game. It's fucking bullshit. Like, it, it just pisses me off. Like, fine, you could go out and lose the first game 2-0 and then have a nice bounce back and collect seven points in the next three games. That's fine. But I need you to keep that form, like th- that that form that we had after that Nashville game. That that should have been the form we should be keeping consistently on a consistent level. Also, uh, okay, fine, you can lose a game on the road and then get a point on the next road game. 
and then collect seven points in the next three home games. That's fine. That's that was an acceptable start. That was acceptable. Four wins, two losses, and I believe what like two draws or something like that is what we started up until yeah, our form late to start, April. Our form to start the season was great. We were confident. Yeah, exactly, we were like, yeah. this is good. And then now the last eight games in MLS and nine games all competitions has been dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Exactly, and I, nothing I mean, has changed. Other, I mean, yeah, Tiago Martins is out, but nothing. We didn't lose any players. We didn't. Um, we didn't lose players. We didn't. Uh, we, we had players come back. Like we should. We should be better than we are. It's just not good enough right now, and it's frustrating I mean, as yeah, a fan. Exactly. I mean, hey, I mean, he keeps talking about the Dallas lineup, the lineup he used against Dallas, which was on a, which was our last game that we won. And he hasn't played that same lineup since April 22nd, 2023. He hasn't played those same 11 players from the start, from the get-go. And, and he keeps talking about that lineup. It's like, oh, the Dallas game, it's been up a scam of the season. Yeah, no fucking shit. And you don't fucking play the same players. In fact, Brian Kufre with the next four, three, four games on the bench, he started O'Toole, who was a wide midfielder slash winger at, at left back. He's not a fucking fullback. That, that, that's not that fucking hard. To get through your goddamn brain, but yet this fucking guy thinks it's a better. Th he thought it was better to put out a fucking winger at fullback who's never fucking played fullback ever in his fucking collegiate career. He's always played left mid or left wing. Never has he played fullback up until Nick Cushing brought him into the team. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's not like nick hasn't had time to tinker with the lineup and find something that's going to get positive results and f figure out a way without a nine a true nine or not no fuck that we have a true nine seagal is a true nine is he the nine that we want no but he's a nine that we have and he i mean he's now relegated to bench duty can't even get in a zero zero draw at salt at salt lake um can't get brought in as a substitute and the, the I, don't, I don't even think he played the last home game. The Talis Magno experiment. The Talis Magno experiment is not working. The Santiago Rodriguez false nine experiment is not working. So keep trying new shit, Nick. Keep trying new stuff until something sticks. Throw shit at a wall until something sticks. Until something improves, and we start I mean, getting hey, fucking it, three points. It, it worked. It worked last September, and we and we were one game away from going to back to back MLS Cup finals. It worked in September. Why can't he do the same? I don't know. I mean, it's the, the substitution patterns baffle me. The the not using all five substitutions baffles me. I mean, I can see if this was pre twenty twenty when it was still three subs in a match, but it's been five subs for this is the third season of five subs. Use your fucking subs, man. You you have eighteen nineteen players or something like that get brought to a game. You have you, that means you have it means you have like seven or eight guys on the bench. Use them. You get five of them. That's almost all of them, bro. Use them. I don't care if they're not good enough. At least they're fresh legs at altitude to go run around and do something. It's it's just so fucking frustrating that we don't did, use did, all of our subs. Did Gabe Segal come off the bench last week for New England, or was he left on the bench again for the whole ninety? Because because if he didn't come off, we, we could have used them last last week to to probably squeak out a one zero home win. I'm looking it up. But I'm just 
I mean, it's just it's just frustrating. Seagal was not used. We only used. Seagal's hey, look at used. that! Last against against uh, New England, we used four substitutions again. Nick, we get five. You dumb fuck. He doesn't use Kevin O'Toole. He doesn't use Seagal. He doesn't use Benalcazar. He doesn't use Jason. Those are those are the, and then obviously Freeze. But you have O'Toole, Seagal, Benalcazar, and Jason sitting there on the bench. You have a fifth substitution to use, and you don't fucking use it. He, he can he can keep O'Toole on the bench to be honest. I mean, but at least so, I mean at least it's somebody. So I mean I mean granted Kufre got the red card at, like almost at the end of the match, um, and it, I mean but who, I, I guess who else are you going to sub off? I mean you you have Hack and Sands. They're not going to come off, I guess, unless you bring up Benakazar. But but, but Sant, Santi Ra- no Alfred, Alfredo didn't get subbed off, and Santi didn't get subbed off. So those are the two, those are the two attackers that played nineties was Alfredo Morales oh, that, and and Santi. Oh, that's right. He subbed off Keaton for Elenich. What a fucking sub! Yeah, but I mean you have, you have Alfredo Morales playing ninety minutes. This 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 dude can't stay healthy right now, and now, and you're you're trotting him out there for ninety minutes. You're telling me that you that you can't. He's not good enough anymore. That you He's can't no bring on. You can't bring on somebody and, and shuffle the lineup around a little bit. Like I don't. I just don't uh, understand. Alfredo it. Morales is no longer that 2021, 2022 Alfredo. He's just. He's just. Terrible. So here's the problem with having Sands, Hack, Parks, and Morales all start, whether it be in the back line or in the midfield, is that that those four players are your central midfielders. So if they are all on the fucking pitch at the same time at the start of a game, there's nobody to bring on for them when they get fucking tired. So that's why out of the out of the four of them, Parks got subbed off. You said Parks got subbed off for Elenich. Elenich got brought on. Or did or did turn yeah, or did was, or did, uh, yeah, or, or did was, a lunch come on for Turnbull? No, no, no. Turnbull came off for I believe Tavon Gray, and then that, that was with the Gabi coming off for Pellegrini, and then the last sub was Alenich for Keaton, and then he pushed Hawk to the midfield. No, Alfaro uh, came on. Al- Alfaro came on for Keaton in the eighty seventh. Alfaro started. No, in the eighty seventh, Alfaro came on for Keaton against the Re- again. I'm talking about against the Revs. Oh, oh, against oh, okay, against the Rebs. Against the Rebs, Alfaro came on for Keaton. So I mean that right there. If if Alfaro's coming on for Keaton, what does that tell you? Satisfied with a nil nil at home. Yeah, it means we're playing for the draw. We're not trying to go forward. We're not. We're not trying to. We're not trying to throw on some, like somebody like Segal to go and get a win. We're trying to. We're playing for the fucking draw. But granted, I mean, I get no. And it, yeah, and, the, and that sub happened before the Kufre red card, so it wasn't even like red card. Okay, let's play it super conservatively. We're down a man, and we need to get out of here with the, the draw. The Kufre red card. The it was four. Red card happened in stoppage time. Yeah, it was four. It was four minutes. Eighty seventh minute was when Alfaro came on for Parks. I mean, it's just that. Uh, I'm sorry that 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 should have been an attacking sub. You're 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 nil nil at home, 87th minute. You have one last roll of the dice. And when do most goals that, happen that, in soccer? Really mo- mo- most goals happen in in football or soccer. First five minutes of the game, last five minutes of the half, first five minutes of the second half, last five minutes of the second uh, of the second half, and then five minutes after a goal scored. Those are the prime I mean, chances I mean, when it's, goals it's, are scored. Everybody, everybody who knows soccer. Knows it's like that the FIFA glitch. Yeah, that's when like that's FIFA when FIFA goals glitch. are scored. That's when the primarily a lot of goals are scored. So if you're at the in, if you're in the 87th minute and you're pushing and you want and, and you're at home and you're trying to get a win, why would you sub on a defender when you have a fucking nine sitting there on the bench to throw out there with fresh legs to run at tired legs to try to steal a victory at the death? And it's the same thing. In, I mean, it's the same thing in this game. Even though it's fucking away, it's against RSL. Why are we made our last. Uh, we made our last sub at the 80th minute, and it was Elenich coming on for Parks because Parks was hurt. 
Yeah, and yeah, not not only that, he put he put uh Hawk in midfield after that sub. He put Elenich at, at right wing back and then he and then uh he put Tavon Gray at center back. And then why is so at seventy three he brings on Pellegrini and Gray for Turnbull and Pereira. Why isn't Elenic being brought on at seventy three for fucking Turnbull? Why, why isn't that Elenich and Ledesma being subbed on? Yeah. That's that's I mean if if you would have bet if you would have asked me to bet who who would have been the first subs on the on the field that, based on who was the starting lineup I would have told you that Elenic and and Ledesma are the first two to come on the pitch and instead it's fucking Gray and Pellegrini. Oh sorry no it wasn't even the first two O'Toole O'Toole was the first fucking sub he came on at sixty one for Kufre and Christian was irate about it before why is why Kufre looked like the better fullback out of Turnbull and Kufre why is Kufre coming off. No, he subbed off our best two players in the wide margins on the opposite ends. He subbed off Kufre and then he subbed off Pereira. Yeah. He subbed off our best two players. Twelve minutes, on the opposite twelve minutes ends apart. Yeah. It just like his his ga- poor. game management is just is not good enough for this team or for this and yet, league. And yet it really people, isn't. People are willing to stand on for this fucking guy, man. I I I can't fucking believe. I, I like. I just can't even imagine, like, if this were to happen under Ronnie or if this were to happen under Dome, like, I, I, I could you imagine how fucking toxic NYCFC Twitter would be if this was happening under our previous two managers, who, by the way, were actually pretty fucking good? I mean, Dome, 64 points in a season, that's the most in club history and still is to this very day. And then Ronnie, who got us our first major fucking trophy in club history, who... who is the who is the manager responsible for the star on top of the crest? He is respo- He's the manager responsible for the star on top of the crest. He's the reason why we can fucking go to Philly and Red Bull and fucking taunt them about not having a fucking cup because we did it before them. And it, like just the abuse and the toxicity on Twitter, it would be through the roof if these two guys were to do that shit. But but because it's Nick Cushing, he's a CFG guy. He coached women in England. He. He got six trophies. Congrats in women's football. It's a completely different game, women's and men's football. Like he's he's basically like Phil Neville. He's basically Phil Neville. Yeah, just coming. And up Phil Neville just got fucking canned because of bad performances. Canned. And now they just got fucking messy, and they're gonna get fucking Tata Martino as the replacement. Like, I mean, come on, like CFG, wake the fuck up, wake the fuck up, bro. Like you, like your your flag, you're like. Like the, the the top the top club that you own just fucking got through the fucking pinnacle. That's the that's the best moment in their club's history yesterday by winning the Champions League for the first time in their history. They just they just went on and did that, and you and and and, and us in New York we're having to suffer under this fucking bald clown who doesn't even know like the fucking subs he should be making. He doesn't he, he doesn't even know like how to fucking manage a game. He's satisfied with the nil-nil draw at home and away after not winning in a fucking month. It's a month. It's about to be a month and a half. Yeah. So our last win, our last win, the last time that we got to enjoy the elation of winning a soccer match was April twenty second. April twenty second was the last time that we felt what it feels like to fucking win a match against. FC Dallas at City Field was the last time we felt what it feels like to win. April. That's like early stages of the fucking season. It's fucking 
Yesterday was June 10th. June. We haven't won since April. What the fuck? Summer's, summer's literally right around the corner. Summer's literally right around the corner. It was still fucking cold in April. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the, the home the homestay was bad. And now this little away match, uh, we, we we knew coming into it that it wasn't going to be good. We, we all assumed we were going to lose. So I guess a draw is positive. But we knew going all the way across to the West Coast was not going to be good. We don't play well away, and especially if it's really far away. Uh, but it's now, totally but now, I mean, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about it midweek. But um, we have a game coming up against uh, the Crew midweek at Yankee Stadium. Not midweek. Sorry, weekend. Weekend against uh, against the Crew. Early game, three thirty. Fucking celery on. But this, I know. But this game is super. This game is super important because after this home game, we have another three game away stand at. Atlanta, at Portland, at Montreal, three games in a row. Two of them, tur- two of them turf fields, by the way, and back to back, back to back games on turf fields. Yeah, so I mean, if we like, say, say for, say we like a win, a win is fucking necessary against the Crew on Saturday. It is fucking necessary because if we, we cannot be expected to go and start making up points d- during away games. Granted, we we need to start winning at least some of them. We have to fucking find a way to win games away. Or I mean, getting zero zero draws away, I guess, is sufficient. But we can't come away with three draws here. We can't. We can't three three away games. We can't come away with just three points. We have to come away with more than three points. We have to start making up points, especially because the, the our next four games are Columbus, Atlanta, Portland, Montreal. Three out of the four of those teams are Eastern Conference foes. Okay, and all three of those, all three of those Eastern Conference foes are ahead of us in the standings. I believe I know for a fact that Atlanta is in fifth, Columbus is in sixth, and Montreal is in ninth. And Montreal right now is sitting on the playoff line. They are the first team in the last team in the playoffs. So we need to start making up ground on these teams. So we have to start knocking these teams off if we are going to have a fighting fucking chance. At being in the 2023 M- Audi MLS Cup fucking playoffs, and I mean in, now in an expanded format, first yeah. year with the expanded. So now, format. now we can talk about. Um, well, first of all, before we start, before we talk about that, I want to talk about what, what did you think of the of the Apple announcers during this game? I I, I watch every game on mute. I'm being honest. I don't. So I, I usually do, but I, but I just I kept it on. The fucking announcers were so like it. They were so clearly. Homers for RSL. It was ridiculous. Brian Dunseth, I mean, it, who I believe is a former RSL player. Yeah, I don't even know yeah, who the, I, was about to say that. I don't even know who the fucking other guy was, but Dun, uh, Dunny is as he's called. He was they were just like he was deep throating RSL the entire match. Everything every single thing he'd said was pro RSL. Everything he said was pro RSL. Like if we're going to if Apple was going to have all these announcers come in, they definitely should have brought in a guy from the local market of each team so that the narratives aren't completely screwed skewed when they're speaking about these games when you when you when you you have when you assign brian dunseth to the rsl home home match against nycfc and the only that's the only audio that's available to the away fans i don't want to hear you deep throat fucking rsl the entire fucking match man i want to hear you keep it even and give us fun facts and 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 talk about both teams evenly, not just hear RSL all the time. It was it was if awful. I'm, it was genuinely awful. If I'm, if I'm being honest, I mean, perfect scenario. I think Joe Tolleson on the play-by-play and Brian Dunseth as the 
color commented i think that that would have worked out because they would have balanced each other out but i mean that, that's just an idea that i i threw up but i mean again it's like and it doesn't help that uh 360 has two fucking red bull dickheads yeah like every week and and like us nycfc fans were left to hung dry with no representation outside of ian joy's guest appearance for the derby we've had no representation whatsoever yeah um in this match against rsl um new york city attacked down the left side 46 percent of the time almost half of our attacks were down the left hand side which then leads you to think why the fuck was kufre taken off if, if if he was doing so well and we're attacking down that side most of the time why the fuck was he sub- substituted off um, 33% down the right side, 21% down the middle. RSL attacked 41% down their right side, which is going at Kufre. 31% of the time down the left side and 28% down the middle. I mean, RSL, in, in your opinion, who is, the mo- who is the most dangerous player on the field for RSL, in your opinion, on that match? Who is number 10 for them? Uh, Savarino. Savarino and I think um, who else came out? I think what's this guy's name? Anderson Julio, I think. Huh. He looked pretty dangerous out there. Now for me, uh, uh, he got subbed off at sixty something. Shirt, shirt number eleven. But, no, no, it was shirt number eleven. Who's who wore his number eleven? Uh, I don't know. For me, it was uh, Diego Luna, who's a, who uh, who's a U20 U.S. Men's National Team uh, international for for the U20 level. Oh, Gomez. Gomez? Carlos Gomez, he was pretty, he was pretty dangerous coming off in the, the bench. He, in the he, first, he quite scared me a few moments. In the first half, Diego Luna was doing like everything for ourselves. He was like almost single handedly putting the team on his back. Um, and this is after he just got done playing in the U twenty World Cup for the USA. Um, but then he got subbed off. He was one of the first subs off. I think at sixty minutes, he got sixty, sixty one somewhere around there. He got subbed off. Yeah, and that's when Crylock came on. Crylock, Crylock, I wasn't impressed by. He didn't really do a whole lot against us. Gomez, Car- Car- Carlos Gomez. A twenty, yeah, Gomez, twenty-year-old Colombian uh, right, right mid. He looked pretty dangerous towards the end of the game. You know who looked like absolute dog shit was uh, M- uh, Muzovsky. The, the, I guess he was one of the strikers for uh, for RSL. Muzovsky looked like absolute shit. He looked so bad. He, he was the one who was um, having a, yeah, a, a poor time finishing. Um, but he looked he looked awful. I mean, I mean, to be honest, you, you could you could say that for the rest of the RSL team. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't inspiring by RSL, uh, but uh, I thought that Diego Luna looked pretty good for them. Um, so I think now. Right, sorry, sorry, I had to disappear for a second. So, at, to anybody listening to the podcast, my girlfriend was lost, so I had to find her location on what, like, from her iPhone, uh, and then I had to call an Uber for her and figure out and coordinate with the uber driver and her to try to find her because she was in some fucking industrial area in Kearney, new jersey where there was nobody she was the only walking person there so yeah sorry about that nice i had to disappear for a second Kearney, soccer town usa fuck Kearney. <laughs> uh so since since this uh, actually we haven't gone over it so uh now that christian's back um who do you guys think was the uh who do you think was the man of the match for nycfc in this game Against RSL. Barraza. Barraza, for sure. Yeah, I think Barraza across the board. I say Barraza, too. He was a 7-8 on Fop Mob and a 7-6 on who scored. He was the highest-rated player. 
Good job, Huicho. Good job. Well yeah. done. Um, do you guys? Can you guys take a guess as to who rounds out the top three? Who Who are the second and third best performers for NYCFC? I'm gonna say Kufre and Gabi. I, I, I'm not going to say Kufre. I think it's going to be Gabby and Keaton Parks. I think that's m- maybe who Fat Mob might see. Wrong and wrong. Next. Look, I, I mean, I don't know. Tell, tell me. No, Reveal. I mean, uh, Dobby, who do, you think two, who do you think are two and three? It's Kufre and Gabby. That's wrong and wrong as well. So the second highest rated player in the match was Santiago Rodriguez at a 7-4-7-3. Do you guys agree with that? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, he probably completed the most dribbles out of anybody. So, <laughs> I mean, that's probably what the barometer was. And um, then for third place, there was a tie between two players. Um, and those two players were Justin Hack and James Hans. Both at 7-1. Interesting. That's all I got to say about that. Do you, can you guys tell me who the lowest rated player was in the match? Stephen Turnbull? Yeah. Turnbull and Talos Magno. Stephen Turnbull would be correct. He registered a yeah. six point three in this match. Awful, awful performance. That that wasn't fucking hard. That was easy to fucking gauge. Now he's the, he's Pellegrini if he were to play right back. The second worst player in the match, um, that he had a big discrepancy, bigger discrepancy in his actually the biggest discrepancy in his ratings between the two apps, Fop Mob and Who Scored, was Talis Magno. Talis Magno for Fop Mob was given a six point three, which tied him actually for Turnbull and the worst player in the match. But in who scored, he was given a 6.9, which would have put him as the fourth, uh, fifth highest rated player in the match. Um, Kufre was at a 6.465. Alfaro was at a 6.466. And uh, Alfredo Morales was at a 6.569. We only had three players over a seven, and that was Barraza, Rodriguez, Hack, and Sands. Um, even our substitutes were relatively shit. Uh, Kevin O'Toole, 6-2-6-1, Gray, 6-1-6-0, Pellegrini, 6-1-6-1, and Elenic, 6-1-6-1. So, I mean, it, it, these are about the ratings that you would you would suggest um, with a nil-nil draw. No one scores, no one assists, no one does anything of note. Uh, Barraza makes a bunch of saves, which is why he was the man of the match, because no one scored. So who else are you going to give it to? Luis Barraza. He did a great job. Um, hopefully you can continue this form and will this team to, to victory by uh, inspiring them with your play. Um, so this was match day 17, 17 puts us halfway through the 2023 MLS season. And being that this is the episode for the halfway point, I think it is justified to do a, uh, Knights of the round table discussion on who so far is the NYCFC MVP, the best offensive player, the best defensive player. A player who is uh, was the most surprising at this point during the season, and a player who is the dud of the 2023 first half of the season. Who would like to go first? I, oh God, I I don't know. What are the fucking characters? I mean, what, what, what's the shit? Who's the, know, who, like, who's the MVP of the 2023 NYCFC season so far? I mean, it's got to be Gabby Pereira. It's, it has to be. Okay. I mean, there's no other acceptable answer. So you're saying Gabby Pereira? Okay. Um, who is your offensive player? So your best offensive player so far. I'm, I'm guessing also, Gabby. Also, so yeah, Gabby. The first two. Who's your best defensive player so far this season? Now, I would say best defensive player could be anybody who plays right back, left back, center back, or even holding mid. I'm still going to say Tiago Martins. Okay. Um, a player who was surprised so far through 2023. Mitch Ilinich. Okay. And a player who is a dud or is not living up to expectations so far through 2023. 
I'm going to say either Tavon Gray or Talis Magno. Okay. Same questions for you, Davi. Who is your 2023 halfway through the season MVP? Gabi. Gabi. Who is your um, best offensive player so far through 2023? Same answer. Gabi. Who's your best defensive player? Martins. Tony Martins. Who is your surprise? Your 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 player who surprised you the most through the, through the half the season. No, that, that's tough because everyone everybody's been shit. <laughs> so I'm I'm um, recency bias. I'm, I'm gonna give it to Alfaro. Alfaro. I mean, he, he only, how many games does he fucking play that he surprised, he surprised you? Uh, like three. Alfaro is, has he has four fucking appearances, and you're gonna say he's surprising? Okay. <laughs> Uh, just, just based, just purely based off yesterday's game, everyone's been fucking shit recently. Yeah. Uh, so who's your who's your uh, halfway through the season dud that, um, for NYCFC? Pellegrini, hundred percent. Pellegrini, I, I can get behind that. So for me, I mean, so I mean, I, I, my answers differ a little bit from your guys. Uh, my MVP for the 2023 season so far is James Sands. Um, I think that since he's come back, he's solidified everything. He's uh, been awarded the armband. Um, some people don't think it's justified, um, but he's more of a, a lead by doing, not by not by a vocal leader. Um, but I think that if we didn't have James Sands, our the, the trajectory of our season would be even more shit than it currently is, um, which is why I felt that it was justified to give him the MVP through halfway through the season so far. I do understand and recognize you guys giving Gabriel Pereira because he has been the only one who seems to be worth their their wages um and has been almost single-handedly keeping us in games and winning us games um but i so that which is why i gave gabriel Pereira my my best offensive player um award best defensive player might surprise you tiago martins i think that tiago martins has has been our best defender um i think that his pace has single-handedly stifled many attacks counterattacks that we were experiencing um, and I think that he has put uh, put together the best defensive season uh, of anybody in uh, who's uh, in the back so far. Uh, my surprise player for 2023 so far is Michel Ilinich. Um, I know that we had some expectations of him prior to the season by watching maybe some of these former league games that he was playing, like highlights of him in, in Slo- Slovenia. Um, but I mean, he seems like he uh, he's worthy of being on the FIFA under 19 whatever fucking watch list wonder kids list he seems like he he has it i mean he's only is he 18 or 19 is he 19 uh he's nine. i believe he's 19 19 so i mean uh, he's definitely someone who i think that he 18 if, if, if he's 18 he's 18 all right so he's definitely someone who can continue to, to develop his game um and uh potentially maybe after two three seasons four seasons here he's someone that we're looking to uh to sell on for a pretty hefty value um, I'm definitely impressed by, I want to see him more. I want to see him stay healthy, but I want to see him on the pitch more. I think that he should be our starting right back, right wing back. Um, and that's undisputed. I don't think that there's, there's no, there's no conversation I'll entertain that should say that, that Tavon Gray or, or Stephen Turnbull should be the starter at right back ahead of Michel Lennox, as long as he's healthy. Um, he should be written in stone right back, Michel, every time. And my dud for the 2023 season so far is someone who has a uh, he has a uh, designated roster tag associated with his with, with with his name. He's on high wages. He was someone who coming into the season, all of the talking heads thought was going to have a phenomenal season this year and was going to be the, sp- uh, the 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 spearhead of our attack. And he um, he scored three goals, and they were all from two and a half inches off the goal line. And he has and he, he has a nice he had a nice assist a couple of games ago, but otherwise he has been uh, relatively mid. And that is Talis Magno. 
Um, he, he's had a dud of, dud of a 2023 season. He's someone that we need to produce. And if he wants to move on from NYCFC and, 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 and potentially play in a top even 10 European league at some point in the next season or two, he needs to start doing something because he's currently not doing a whole lot. Um, if I'm being honest, like if if somebody were to come in for Talos Magno right now, I'll take the money. He can get the fuck out of here, honestly. Yeah. Uh, he's just, he's not, he's not doing well enough with, with the opportunities that he's been presented. I realize that his position hasn't been consistent. He's been playing striker, he's been playing left wing. But at the end of the day, you're a soccer player. And if you're deployed somewhere, you have to make it happen. You have to do stuff. You have to, like, you're getting paid well to produce, to do, like, to help our team win. You, you got brought in for a reason. And you, you showed us what you potentially could do during 2021 and even a little bit during 2022. And to have a complete and utter regression of, of production from those two seasons to this season is there's no I mean I, it, it falls on the coach because maybe he's not deploying them in deploying them in the ways that he should be deployed but you still have to you have to do something you have to help us win games you have to provide statistical con- contributions assists goals like just anything just you have to help us win you have to help us look good attacking and you're just not at the moment and it's just really frustrating um so I have pulled up here and I'm curious to see what your guys' answers are. So a- after the answers that you guys just gave us, who do you think is the highest rated player on the season thus far for NYCFC? I the two and the only two answers that I can think of are either Gabby Pereira or Tiago Martinez. Davi? What was your question? Who's the highest rated player through seventeen or through six, seventeen matches for NYCFC? Uh, yeah, it's, it's got to be Gabby Martins. So it is Gabriel Pereira. He is at a seven point three two or a seven point zero seven point three two in FOTMOB, seven point zero seven on who scored. Um, I uh, and that's about the that's about the only one that's in the right uh, in the in the same spot on both apps. Um, Tiago Martins, you guys both said him. He is tenth on who scored at a 6.56 and he is ninth on fought mob at a 6.87 coming in at second on this is second on who scored at 6.93 so just just below a seven is santiago rodriguez and uh yeah. so, huh that doesn't necessarily surprise me santi like even though Santi's been inconsistent this year, when he's been like on, when he turns it on, he's playing at his best. He's been unstoppable. Like we've seen, like you know, obviously the game where he got two goals and you know some of his first home games when he first came over, like performed really well. Yeah. So he's that, he's really surprising. He's third in FOTMOB at seven point one five. So he's pretty pretty close on both apps. Second place on FOTMOB is James Sands at a seven point two two. Now on who scored? James Sands is fourth. With a six point seven nine, and then the uh, and then I mean I'll just go do it. The, the next player on who on who scored is Keaton Parks at a six point eight eight, and on uh, he's at fourth place on FOTMOB and he's at a seven point one one. We only have one two three four. We only have five players who are averaging over a seven on FOTMOB, and that is Gabby Pereira, James Sands, Santiago Rodriguez, Keaton Parks, and this may surprise you, Maxime Cheneau is at a seven point oh one. 
Now, I'm not going to go through all these players, but I do want I want you to tell me, out of the field players, who do you think is the lowest rated player who's appeared in an in MLS match for NYCFC? Um, uh, is there like a minimum ma- amount of matches or a minimum amount of minutes that we have to factor in? Because Turnbull's only been like involved like in so many minutes this season. Um, uh, he's played 260. And okay, compare that to Santi. How, mu- how many minutes has Santi played? Santi has played 1,308. Yeah, so that's like a big difference. And Santi hasn't even been here the whole entire season. So, uh. well, I can, I can sort it by minutes. <sighs> so um, the player who has the, the field player who has the most minutes played so far is Keaton Parks. He has played in every single match, every single MLS match, 17 appearances, 1,455 minutes. Which is that? So lowest rating. I, I'm. This is going to sound out of left field, but out of like out of the players who have significant minutes this season, I'm going to say either Kevin O'Toole or Brian Bri- Kufre. That's that's who I'm thinking. So, Kevin O'Toole has appeared ten times and has 445 minutes. And he is at a six point two. So was he the lowest? So the, the lowest absolute rating of anybody from NYCFC who's appeared in a match this year is Andres J. Son at a six point zero five. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's played two hundred and sixty six minutes, he has ten appearances, and he has a six point zero five rating. He is the worst field player for NYCFC this Makes year. Makes sense. The second worst player who's appeared in a match this season is Tony Alfaro at 6.07. How many minutes has he gotten, though? I feel like he's under 200, like 200. 213. Four appearances. Yeah. It's such a sample size, you know? That's not even... It's less than three matches. So what... You, you know? do, you want, do you want to look at player... So uh, what do you want to look at players who have over 500 minutes? I think Jason's a good shot, because how many minutes does Jason have? Believe it or not, Jason doesn't have that many minutes. He he has only played two hundred and sixty-six because he has ten appearances, but he only has two hundred and sixty-six minutes because he gets, he gets thrown on at the end of matches. Okay, answer me this question: Who has the lowest rating of any player that's appeared in at least five hundred minutes? Five hundred, at least five hundred minutes. At least five hundred. That would be Tavon Gray at a six point two seven. Yeah. And, and he's played a lot this year. He's played enough. Six hundred and thirty nine so. minutes, 11, 11 appearances. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, let's use that then. Kevin, o- use that Kevin O'Toole is is right right under five hundred minutes. He's at four hundred and forty five. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 and he's at I, a six, I, I, and he's at six point two up. So Tavon Gray and Kevin O'Toole would be the lowest rated players if we kind of if we give Kevin O'Toole the bump because. So, he, yeah, so really it all depends on like what your threshold is. Is it anybody who's appeared? In that case, it'll be Alfaro. If it's anybody who's been in the team like consistently but not quite, you know, he's constantly at the late game sub, then it's it's Jason. But if it's anybody who's consistently finding their way into the starting eleven, I think Tavon Gray is it. So it really depends. Like, any of those three, I mean, I guess, I mean, Tony Alfaro is coming off his best game. 
but I mean, so we we for, I mean we haven't seen a lot of Matias Pellegrini lately, so we kind of forget that he has a lot. Of, he has six hundred and sixty six minutes so far this season because remember he was start, He started all those games at the beginning of the season, and then he, and then he literally went into the witness protection program and, and wasn't seen from for for like almost what, two. What's months. his average score? Six point four one. That sounds too high. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're seeing, but then again, I mean, he 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 has put it. He, See, the thing is, that earlier in the season, I thought he was putting in decent performances. He was kind of unlucky to, like, be called off, like, have both of his goals called off, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like, there was t- there has been times where Matias Pellegrini has looked viable, but... He also had that pretty nice ball into Jason, who hit the post yeah. like two yards out. Yeah. I, so, just- M- Micha, Matias, and Richie Ledesma all have the same amount of appearances for, this, for the club so far this season. Uh, what's Mitch's average rating on there? Six point five four. That's too low. Only one above Pellegrini. Yikes! But then again, Mitch Ilinich like on Thought Mob is a six point nine. Here's the thing about Mitch. Mitch is like a good spark plug. He offers good pace, and his delivery is pretty good. His defense isn't quite great. He's not too great defensively. And, and Joe, you've said this before. Like, like, he was like originally like a winger, right? And then yeah. like retrained, and then retrained as a fullback. Mm-hmm. Like once like he came up like to the first team, basically. Yep. Yeah. Do, so do, and, and it shows. Now, Gabriel Pereira, who we who we all set, gave an award to at least for best offensive player, he only has twelve, a little bit over twelve hundred minutes played this season. There are one, two, three, four, five, six. There are seven players. I mean, six minus the goalkeeper. There are six players who have registered more minutes this season than Gabriel Pereira, and we all unanim- unanimously said that he's our best attacking player this season so far. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I, I would wager that he has the most go- goal contributions out of anybody on the team. Would that be correct? Uh, I believe so. I think he has four four, four goals and three he's got four assists. Goals in this season. Four goals, three assists. So yeah, so he has seven. Seven goal contributions. The next highest is Santi at four goals, one assist. So five. Five goal contributions. Yeah. And then after that, it's Tal- Talis Talis. at three goals, four assists. Or three goals, one assist, yeah. which makes four goal contributions. Yeah. yeah. So you have seven, five, and four. That, geez, that, that's not good. That's not good at all. No, it's not. That's, uh, that's among – that's three best contributors that you have are combined – what uh 16 goals 15 goals yeah that's bad i mean i mean mean, you look at for overall for the season we have on on who scored we have one player who's registered over a seven rating and that's gabby Pereira. everyone else is under a seven that's not good (laughs) yeah no it's terrible awful and i that just shows i mean even our best players players that we know can ball out aren't performing up to their standard like Gabby Pineda, you know, like, like, obviously, like, like, I don't think his levels dropped at all. I think he's picked up right where he left off from the season. He had a little bit of a rough start with a, with, with, with a goal, with a goal scattered in there, you know, when he first came, but you can chalk that up to him be, not having a preseason, not being sharp, not being fit, you know, 90 minutes fit. So you can chalk it up. But once he found his form, he hasn't relinquished it yet. Uh, Santi Rodriguez, we've seen what he can do when he balls out. And I say this every single week. And, you know, like, and even though we're pretty cold on Talos right now, we've seen what Talos is capable of when he's playing to the best of his abilities and using the gifts that he has. Like, like, like these, like, like there's performance to be unlocked here. And that's the job of the coach. And the fact that, like, so, some of your most highly touted and most 
uh, contri highly contributing players aren't contributing at the clip that they that we've seen them contribute to over the past several seasons. Like, uh, that's bad. Like, you can't blame you can't blame that on. We got to the Eastern Conference Final without a striker last year. It's not that it's got nothing to do with 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 Tati like Tati leaving. Obviously, he plays a part in it. But the thing is, like, Cushing has a talented squad at his disposal with or without a striker right now as it stands. There's talent on this team, and he hasn't extracted the optimal amount of talent out, out, of, that, out of that batch of players. And that is a failure because there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to find... You think Dome couldn't win with this team? You think Ronnie wouldn't win with this team? They fucking took. I think if I think if Dome was uh, put me on record as saying this, I think if Dome was in charge of this team, we'd be fourth in the East right now. I think if Ronnie was in charge of this team, we'd be sixth in the East right now. But with Cushing, we're fucking what thirteenth, twelfth, thirteenth. Unacceptable, 13th man. East. Unacceptable. What, what, what about with Vieira? Where do you think it would be with Vieira in charge? See, the thing is, the league's changed since Vieira left. Like it's changed. So I don't know how Vieira would translate. Now, granted, Vieira now has, has experience at much higher levels than this. Obviously, in the Premier League with Palace and League One at Nice. Yeah, League One at Nice. So, like, I mean, that that's like so maybe like he's a better manager than he was because th th this was his first like first team job. Before that, he was coaching the EDS Academy in Manchester. So, you know, like like that was his first job, and 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 he was and he was pretty good at it. Maybe he'd probably be about. I, I still don't think uh, he'd probably, probably, probably in between. Probably at like fifth or sixth. Like, I think Vieira could figure it out. Significantly better than Cushing. Yeah, like the thing is, I think this team is perfectly suited for Ronnie though, because Ronnie seemed to be more of a uh, of a motivator. Uh, whereas Vieira, if you didn't fit into his system, you you were out. Same thing with Dome. You know, we saw it with Dome and uh, Jesus Medina. We saw it with Patrick Vieira and uh, and Guadalupe Poku, you know, like even though Poku was a highly, you know, very much a success, one of the few bright spots of the 2015 team, you know, Poku. Yeah, like like you know, he, he Vieira just had no place for him, you know, and yeah, so. I think Ronnie would probably be the best manager for the squad because he's the only one that seems to believe in players and want to, but while also extracting good performances out of them. So, but yeah, no, if we had anybody else, but this fucking guy, anybody else, just, it's not good enough. It's not. Even for the squad in its current form, it's still not good enough. And you can't convince me that it is. Anybody disagree? No, it's not good enough. It's not. I mean, we, we, um, me and Davi were talking about how NYCFC hasn't, we haven't won a match since April fucking twenty second. That's like that's, like that's crazy. It's a month and a half. It's like a April twenty second was like early days, beginning of the season, ago. like fucking long time ago, ago, man. This is ridiculous. Over a month ago, about six weeks ago. This is yeah. the worst eight game stretch in MLS play in team history like something needs to change something needs to happen we can't just keep the status quo can't keep continuing Some, nothing's, I mean, nothing's going to change without it being changed manually like it's not just going to magically fucking change things have to happen heads have to roll 
tactics have to change. Player selection has to change. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Nick, do something different. And and I'm sorry, but this team, like when you look at this team, is this the second worst NYCFC team that we've ever had? No! Fuck no. Absolutely not. 15 and 16 were fucking miserable. At 16, we finished second with fucking Jason Hernandez and Ethan White in our fucking team. Like, give me a fucking break. Yeah. You know, like, like come on. Like, like you're, you're telling me that, like, Tavon Gray and Michi Ilinich are worse than fucking Ethan White? Doubt. Press X for doubt. Or you're telling me that fucking, you know, uh, who else? Like, Ben Sweat is <laughs> more suited to be the left back for this team? Than either fucking Kufre or even O'Toole for that matter. Come you're, on. You're, you're, you're telling me fucking Federico Bravo is better than James what? Sands? James Sands? No. But like the proof is in the pudding. Now, granted, like that was kind of like before MLS 3.0, so like the standard of the league was different. But like, like as critical as I've been, and Joe knows how critical I am of the level of play of MLS, it's definitely improved leaps and bounds since then. Since NYCFC came into the league, we've seen it improve every single year. However, relatively speaking, I still refuse to believe that this is the second worst squad that we've ever had. I refuse yeah, to believe that. Like, well, also, like, like Tommy McNamara is any better than fucking Talos well, Magnum. Yeah, but lo- like for like, we're, we're better. But I mean, the arg- I know the narrative and the argument from people who are listening or even on Twitter are going to be that oh, in 15 through 18, we had fucking David Villa, a real nine, a real striker. And now we have fucking Gabriel Segal and Talos Magnum. But the thing is, the team historic. So are you ready for this stat? Are you ready for this? Statistically speaking, since David Villa left, we have been a better team than we were with him. We have. I mean, we, we won a fucking championship without him. Yeah, I, I know that. But he scored goals. That, like that, and that's I, what we're lacking. I, under, I understand that. But the thing is, the team as a whole, when the system wasn't running through just one fucking player, get the ball to Via and see what happens. We've been a better team. 2019. Uh, even like, 20, like 2020 was kind of a bit of a wash because it was a fucking weird year. I don't, you know, like I, I don't really want to. Like, like that, that, yeah, that year's kind of a wash to me. 2021, obviously. 2022, last year, obviously. Even with half the season without a striker. Like, I, I don't want to hear that. Like, that we, like, oh, we had a striker. I'm sorry. One player is not going to make a difference in this, in, in this squad. This team is tactically inept. That's what it is. It's tactically inept. Who's getting the ball to this striker? Who? Who on this team is delivering the ball to him from the midfield position? Nobody. It should be Ledesma and Santi. See, what people will say is that, oh, we had Tati. I would say that Maxi Morales was a significantly more important player than Tati was. Yeah, Maxi's presence is very, very missed in this team. Like, like, uh, I want to – actually, I want to look something up. If you will just please humor me for one second. I want to see something because I've had this thought in my head, but I don't know if it's true. Okay. Okay. So, barring 2020, for obvious reasons, Pati Castellanos' Golden Boot with 19 goals was the least amount that uh, Golden Boot winner has yielded since 20 since 2011. So, 10 years, it was the fewest goals any goal scorer in MLS had scored while winning a Golden Boot. The secret sauce to and you also have to factor in, there was periods of like seven games where Tati wasn't scoring either. 
He was a very streaky. I love Tati Castellanos. Everybody here knows I love Tati Castellanos. One of my favorite players that this club has ever touched. And one of the biggest success stories that we can ever tout to the world. That's our fucking... That, that, that's our creation right there. We made Tati. And, and I'm fucking proud of it. And I think I speak for all of us, all three of us, when I say that. However, he was not the heart and soul of that team. We had Maxi Morales on that team, who was fucking doing work. That's what this team is missing right now. We are missing a Maxi Morales. That's what, I honestly think that if Maxi had stuck it out for one more season, I know he was getting older, and I know that like getting like 34 games out of him was going to be a tough, you know, you know, a tough predicament. However, if we had Maxi involved consistently in this team right now, I think our fortunes are completely different. Assuming that the tactics are, assuming that Cushing isn't a fucking dumbass. I can get on board. You know, I can get on board with that with, with us but, missing Maxi the most. Yes, I think that's what this team is missing. We're missing that died in the wool, pure number ten, create creative force. Even if he's not in the ten, Maxi I mean, created Maxi created just as much last year from the eight or even the fucking six as he did from the ten last year. The, 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 the proof's in the pudding. You, we, we scraped by, like towards the end of the season, then we got hot in form, and then you know, Maxi Morales was our MVP throughout that whole playoff run. Yeah, no. If we if we do not have Maxi Morales, there is no MLS Cup, none. That's it. Yeah, and, and I think that I think that, that that the front office and even maybe Nick Cushing thought that Santiago, Santiago Rodriguez was going to step up and 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 fulfill his destiny to, to be that Maxi Maximiliano role, um, but he's 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 not. He just he's. The thing he's is, not he's Maxi. a winger. He's not a he's not an attacking midfielder. I think he's a winger. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I think that's, I think when when when, 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 when they brought him when, when when they brought him in, I think they envisioned him being the ten. Actually, you ready for this? You ready for like a little bit? I, I, I don't know if you can call this a hot take. It, it's spicy. It's got some adobo on it. Um, I think that if we had a maxi right now, I think you could easily get away with having Santi at the nine. Yeah, I think he'd be excelling right now, actually, at the nine. Yeah, as a nine, I think. I think the work rate is there. I think the instincts are there. I think like like Santi checks all the boxes of a player who could be viable as a nine. Uh, he's not necessarily clinical, but then again, he's never like he's not taking like five shots a game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so like like so I legitimately think that if you had the same team right now, the same exact team plus Maxi, I think. Assuming once again, assuming that pushing isn't the fucking problem, right here. I think our fortunes are different. Yeah, and I, I, think I even 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 having him, which 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 even if we bring in a ten, like I know everybody's clamoring for a nine. If we bring in a true ten, then that opens up Santi to playing the nine. But it also makes it so that now, like uh, even if it, so, say say if Maxi was here, we could bring like we can tell him like, hey, we need forty five minutes from you for, at, at, at halftime. We'll bring on Richie Ledesma. Sure. Like, there's just so many. Like, well, it really, it really does hurt not having. Like, uh, like I, when you're watching NYCFC, like, think in your head, like, man, what, what, like, what could this team be capable of if there, if Maxi was was pulling the strings and being the puppet master of or the, a player of like Maxi of his of his makeup? Yeah, like a player like. I mean, I, I, I mean, whenever I watch him play, I, I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a, a younger Maxi over here. Is is Lucho Acosta? Yeah. I think Lucio Acosta would make a complete difference. Yeah. When I watch Lucio Acosta, I'm like, I'm like, he looks like Maxi Jr. Like, he looks like an, an, a second version yeah. of Maxi. 
The only he, thing he, he tore us a new one when he came over to Yankee Stadium. The only thing I'd give Lucho over Maxi is that he's a, consist- a, a, a consistently better shooter. Than yeah, Maxie, no, yeah, yeah, it. I would say that. Yeah, that's about it. Like Maxi was never like a great goal scorer. I mean, like his his woes at the pen spot are. But he didn't need like, to be. No, he didn't. No, need he didn't to have be to be. No, great, of course. No, exactly, one hundred percent. Like, like I don't need goal. I don't need. I don't even need ten goals from my ten. I just need him to create at least ten goals. That's what I need him to do. Mm-hmm. Like, if you get if you get ten assists, you can get away with having three goals. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's fine. But like, I do not need your. T- I do not need my ten to score. I need him to pull the strings. I need him to orchestrate. I need him to playmake. I need him to distribute. I need him to control the p- tempo, control the pace. I need him to do those things. And that was things that Maxi was great at. And you know, obviously, we're going on and on and on and like singing like it's becoming the Maxi Morales show. But I mean, that's what I think this team's missing. I legitimately do. I don't. I think. I think splashing the money out in the in the summer transfer window for a nine, if it's expensive, is a mistake. I mean, if you want to bring in a nine, that's fine. But I also think that a ten should be coming in. But I mean, then again, if you bring in a nine, automatically the belief is going to be in camp that Santi is a ten and he's a DP, so he's got to play. So we're playing him with a ten, and so I mean, yeah, I. I I, I mean, we'll see, right? I mean, from the sounds of it, from the sounds like a, I don't know what you guys talked about when I was gone, but from the sounds of it, they've already got their guys. They're, they're making moves right now. And Cushing's ready for the squad supposedly, to be different. Supposedly, Ike Ugbo is like almost like a barn done deal. Well, well, I, well, I don't know if I want to say that. Uh, well, but. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know if I want to say that either because that's completely, I mean, we're basing that story off of Instagram, Instagram posts. Yeah, like, like I, I don't, yeah, I don't just want a few go- pictures on Instagram. Here's the thing, like, like regardless of whether or not it's Ugbo or not or anybody else, from the sound, from the sounds of it, and from what Cushing said, from the language espoused by Nick Cushing himself, the horse's mouth, this squad will look different in a month. There will be players coming in, and if that's the case, I need to see results immediately. Well, the thing is, what's the fucking excuse going to be if we don't win like those first three games? Like, like, like the excuse is going to be that they, that they need time to adapt to MLS. Oh, that's what the, that's what the excuse off, is going to be. Man. I guarantee you. I, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's right, but they're going to say, "Oh, they need time. They need time to adjust to MLS." You can't expect. Well, bullshit. And I'm going to say bullshit. Correct. And I'm going to say bullshit to that because, like, let's say it is Ugbo. Ugbo just came back. Is coming off of a season with one of the top a, a team in one of the top five leagues, but they like relegated. Yeah, like whether you not whether you want to admit it or not, League One is an objectively better league than MLS. I'm not saying it's dramatically better, but it is significantly better at the bare minimum. And he, like, I mean, what did Pozuelo do in his first game MLS? Anybody want to fucking go down memory road about what Pozuelo did? He fucking chipped us twice, like, like two goals in his first game, and he wasn't even a goal scorer. And Pozuelo. I'm sorry, like, like it, like I don't want to hear anything about adjustments. There's a fucking, you know, the fucking job, especially as a striker. You have the easiest job on the pitch, the easiest job, be in a good position and score goals. That is the, like, like I'm not saying it's easy to do, but comparatively speaking, it's way easier than playing a ten or playing a winger. It's, it's, it, it, it just, it requires, it requires a much more focused skill set. Period. That's your job. Score the fucking goals, or at least help in scoring them. Like, like, like. Obviously, Tati didn't always score goals. One of the great things about Tati was he was also great at holding up play yeah. and 
creating goals for people around him. If he, if the guy that we bring in is doing that, I'm all good. You know, we're, we're, we're Gucci. As long as we're winning games and you're, and, and you're chipping in, we're cool. The thing is, I do not think that's what this team is missing. I know a lot of people think that that's what we're missing. I don't think so. I think we need a left-footed center back and a, and, a, and a creative force in the midfield way more than we need a nine. I think Santi would do in the right system. We've seen what he can do with the nine when everything's clicking and everything's working the way it should. We've seen. We think it with our own eyes. We know. All right. And Rand. <laughs> well, I Sorry, think Andrew. I think this is as good a time as ever to uh, to depart you. Um, we are, or at least I am going to watch the NYCFC 2 versus Red Bull 2 Hudson River Derby Jr. Um, the lineup just came out. We have Kwaku Wusu starting, um, MD Myers up top. Um, and then uh, I, I guess the reason why Christian McFarlane and Maximo Carrizo and Jonathan Shore and all of them are on the bench is because they just got back from the uh, U20 World Cup. Um, and I think Jonathan Shore was playing for, I'm not sure if he was playing for a younger version of like the U16s or whatever. Um, but actually, I think they're at the U18. I don't know. They're at a World Cup over in Japan or some shit. They're in some youth camp somewhere. Yeah. They're at, it, well, no, it wasn't a camp. It was, it was a legit World Cup. But I forget what I forget what, what, what age it was. But anyway, so I'm going to go watch them play just because uh, hopefully um, Red Bull 2 got the best of the uh, NYCFC 2 in the first leg of the Hudson River Derby, which was played the same week as our Derby match. Um, so I want to see... Uh, I want to see us beat the shit out of uh, Red Bull Two, but also Red Bull Two, fucking cheating little fucks. Um, in the in that first derby match, they fucking started Elias Manuel, the fucking striker for the first team, bunch of bitches, and he scored a PK. Um, that shit shouldn't be allowed. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, we will be back midweek for our preview of the Columbus Crew home match at Yankee Stadium. Uh, so hopefully we will be in more chipper spirits then. Um, and then hopefully we can finally win again because I've, um, I'm not sure how many days ago April, uh, April 22nd was, but it's been a fucking while since we experienced a win and the mood on this fucking show has been dreadful, uh, because we, all we want is three points, like win or else Nick, like fucking win. We need three points. We need, I need to remember what it feels like for my favorite team to win a fucking match. This is miserable, dude. Miserable. As always... And especially tonight with NYCFC 2. New York is blue.